when we sing that song? We have some good singers in this auditorium, don't we not? Do we not? I love when you guys sing that. And I'm just going to have to admit, you know, I usually tend to sing a little quieter because you guys sound like a bunch of angels. And everybody knows I sound anything but like an angel. And so I like to just kind of just close my eyes and just kind of listen and sing softly <laughs> as we cover that song. You know, we're here to worship God in spirit and truth, but before we do, though, I want to congratulate all our Spartan and Wolverine fans. You know what the good thing about, the, you know, yesterday was? The good thing about this weekend? This is one of the only weekends that the Lions won't get to miss, mess up our winning ways. Because they, gotta wait, they have to wait a whole other week before they play. And so, this morning, we're going to continue, I don't want to call it a series of sermons, but it's kind of, they go kind of hand in hand with one another. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the lifetime commitment that we made unto God. Last week, I believe it was, that we spoke about the persistence, the perseverance that we need to have in our faith. And this week, if you look on the screen behind me, we're going to get into the character and what defines our character, because that is so crucial uh, that we think about this. Because sometimes we think character, we think personality, we think reputation. Sometimes they can be one and the same. Sometimes they're very different. And what makes them different? And so that's what we want to look at here today is, uh, is the, to, to, to discuss the idea of character, to look to understand why it's crucial to every Christian that we have good, moral, righteous, godly character. How often in your life have you, uh, have you even thought about your character? I mean, we go through life, do we not? I mean, we're busy, uh, we're doing things all the time, and we're constantly just uh, you know, being pulled in different directions. But in reality, how often in life have you ever slowed down long enough, and have you ever really stopped to consider your character? Or how many times have you slowed down long enough to stop to consider your reputation? Why is it that we consider our reputation, but we don't necessarily consider our character? And so that's a question that we need to think about here this morning. It's something that we need to ask ourselves. Uh, when we think about the reputation, we think about the character, are they one and the same? Well, let's break it down. Character is what we are. Character is defined as what we are. It is the sum of qualities which distinguish each and every one of us, right? But our reputation is what is said about us. Character is what you are. Reputation is what is said about you. It's what others think about you. So character and reputation, sometimes they can be the same, but oftentimes they're not the same. Oftentimes they're, well, very different. Isn't that the reason why some people uh, have known to be known as, well, hypocrites? Because when they're around one group of people, they, they act one way. But when they're around another group of people, well, they act a very different way. Well, why is that? It gets back to character. You see, because they're trying to fit in. They're trying to maybe uh, to, 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 show the, to show a different group, a different side, because they don't necessarily want them to know that they're a member of God's team, that, they're a, that they are morally and righteous and good, good-hearted people. And so character and, and reputation, while they can be the same, oftentimes for many people, they're just very different. And so remember, others determine your reputation, but you are in control of your character. You get to determine what your character is, and, and, how it is, and how it is judged. And so one's reputation may change with public approval. It may change with disapproval. While one's character may, may remain constant or change regardless of judgments of others. You see, others don't get to determine your character. 
They get to, they get to make a determination on, as, as to your reputation, but they don't get to determine your character. And so, brethren, as God's representatives, we need to strive each and every day to have the type of the reputation and to have the type of character that they're one and the same. That you've often heard me say, and I've said this in other places, I'm the same person in the building as I'm out of the building. I joke the same way. I, st I tell the same corny, dumb jokes. I, I you know, I, I, you know what I mean? I'm just the same. I, I, I'm not a different person. I remember when I first decided to become a minister, I had somebody come up to me uh, I was, when I was over at Sunset before I went out to Iowa, and they're like, well, welcome to the fishbowl. Well, you know, I hear you laugh, but what, what do they mean by welcome to the fishbowl? Because now everything you say and everything you do is going to be judged. Well, I'm sorry, aren't you in the fishbowl? I thought we were in the same church. I didn't realize God had a fishbowl for the ministers and a different fishbowl for the congregation. I thought we were one and the same. And so, but it's the idea that people are now going to judge you and judge your family based on everything they say and do. And I just, I simply told them, I said, I could care less about your fishbowl. I said, because I'm the same person in this building as I am outside this building. And if you don't believe me, come hang out with me. My door is always open. And so you think about our reputation. You think about personality. You think about a character. Brethren, we need to go over these things because you could fool others for a while, but you can't fool God. What do I mean by that? That you could fool others for a while, but you can't fool God. For he knows our innermost thoughts. Who, who, among, who amongst us knows us more than God? There is no one that knows us deeper and a fuller, deeper, more intimate way than God himself. And when I stand before God in judgment, guess what he's going to be judging? Not my reputation, but my character. And so that is why character is so very important. Reputation is what others say about you, but character is what you get to determine. And so, brethren, character is defined as the real person. It's defined as the true state of the person, the real you without all the frills, so to speak. Some have tried to say that some have tried to, to distinguish between character and personality this way. They say that character is the real you, but personality is what we try to make people think that we are. Have you ever thought of it that way? Character is the real you, but personality is what we try to make people think that we are. Well, what does that mean? Personality can often hide a weak character for a while. But eventually, usually, your true self is going to creep through. And so you think about this here this morning. I want us to open our Bibles to Daniel. There's not going to be a slide for this because it's too long. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to look, look at verses 1 through 10. Because there's something that's going to happen in the life of Daniel here during his uh, ministry, during his service to King Darius. And it's so very important that when we think of uh, character, when we think of uh, commitment, when we think of perseverance that we've been talking about here for these last so many weeks, it's important that we look at Daniel as, a, as a, an example, and it, specifically in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1 through 10. So based on what we've said so far this morning, I want you to see what happens here and how the story plays out. Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. Daniel 6, starting in verse 1. Give you one more second. And it says this. It seemed good to Darius to appoint, to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these, three, uh, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself amongst the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed 
an extraordinary spirit. It really means he was extraordinary in the sense of his in the sense of his character. And the king planned to appoint him over his entire kingdom. But these other commissioners and these other satraps being uh, trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. Inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against Daniel unless, unless we find it against him with regard to the law and his God. And then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king, and they spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the, prefe the prefects, the satraps, the high officials, the governors, have consulted together that the king should establish a statue and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or, or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish this injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is, the, that is this injunction. And now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he went away and he entered into his house. Now in his roof chamber, his, he had his window open towards Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knee, knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been, as he had been previously doing. Brethren, I love this uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 10, in conjunction with what we're talking about here this morning in regards to character. In regards to character being something that you get to decide what it is. How did these men know that they could find an accusation against him in no other manner of life, in no other uh, way, other than in accordance with his God? Brethren, ask yourselves, did they know his character? Did they know his reputation? And the answer is yes. They could find nothing to accuse this man of. But they knew how faithful and true he was to his God, so they came up with a plan together because of the weakness of their character, and they decided to say, we're going to pull him down because Darius is about to make him basically second in command because of his holiness, his righteousness, his character. So brethren, we need to make sure that in this life, they had seen enough of, of Daniel's life that they could predict what he would do. We need to be like Daniel. We need to make sure that the people that are around us, the people who know us intimately, the people who know us in the workplace, in our families, and in our friend groups, they need to know that we would be people like Daniel. That we are not going to just fall away because the government makes a decree saying that we're not allowed to pray anymore. And that if, we get found to be, if we're found to be praying, that we would have to go into the lion's den. I wonder how many people in this auditorium this morning, if you were threatened with a lion's den, would stop praying for 30 days? It's a logical question. Only each one of you and myself can answer that for ourselves. Only you know your true character. Only you know your true heart. But is that a logical question that we need to ask? You see, because there's, there, there are countries in this world, in the Middle East right now, Christians who live in is, Islamic-type states, right? Islamic-type ruled countries, that Christianity is illegal. And every day they have to make a choice. Are they going to follow God, or are they going to live by the rule of man? 
Are they going to do what may cause them to go into the figurative lion's den? Or are they going to still remain faithful and true unto God and gather on the Lord's day to worship God? Brethren, we need to make sure that we are like Daniel, that we are people that need to know that no matter what the government decrees, that we stand with God. Brothers and sisters, we need to look like we need to be like Daniel and to display qualities of noble and good character, which stem from who we are. Well, what do these qualities look like in the life of Daniel? He was honest. He was sincere. He was dependable. He was blameless. And he de- and he showed moral purity. So let's go ahead and I want to break those little those characteristics down here this morning. And we're going to look at some scripture to go along with these. And we're going to start with integrity. Daniel was a person of integrity. And when I think of integrity, I think of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. And when you look at this verse, it tells us, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth with one another. Speak truth, each of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. So when it comes to integrity, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 is saying that we need to speak truth each with one another, each with our neighbors. Why? Because that is what a man, a man or a woman of God does. Brethren, our word should be our bond. We must stand behind what we say, and we must follow through with what we say. We must not lie. We must not deceive. We must be people of integrity who don't cheat or who don't steal. There must be no falsehoods and no deceit that, 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 that we are known for, because that we are God's representatives. We can't be people, men and women of God and men and women of integrity, if our word is not our bond. I often heard it say, you know, in my, father, in my grandfather's age, that a handshake used to mean something. You guys have heard that, right? A handshake used to mean something. Now we sign contracts, and us, and the, many of us, and, and, and the politicians, and the government, everybody's looking for a loophole. Everybody's looking for a way out. Why? Because our word no longer means that much. And so we need to make sure that as individuals, as God's representatives, that we are known for our word, that we stand by what we say and we do what we say we're going to do, and we don't cheat and steal and deceive along the way. And then it makes me think of sincerity. Daniel was sincere in his faith, was he not? And I look at Philippians, what the Apostle Paul had to say to the people of Philippi. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10. And the Bible tells us, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to what? In order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. You see, brethren, sincerity is a quality of being free from deceit. It's a quality of being free from hypocrisy. Sincerity comes from an honest heart full of integrity. And then I think of bitterness, or not bitterness, blameless. Blamelessness, And we think about blamelessness, right? And we look at the next scripture that's also in Philippians. Blameless doesn't mean perfect, brethren. It is a person who knows that they have sin in their lives, but they understand that in order to be found blameless, holy, righteous in the sight of God, that yes, while I do sin, I admit my faults, I admit my weaknesses, and I repent. I turn away from them. I remove the sin from my life, from my life, and I continue on in walking in the light. As 1 John talks about, if you say you're a sinner, the Bible says you're a liar. If it says if, if you say you're not a sinner, the Bible says you're a liar. And the truth isn't in you. And so God knows that we are weak. He knows we are fallible. He knows that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And when we are baptized for the remission of our sins, our sins are washed away. 
for a time, hopefully for a little while, but eventually we sin again. But it says if you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ will continuously cleanse over you. If you walk in the light, if you walk according to God's standards. But if you don't, Hebrews chapter 10 says there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. Brethren, we need to make sure that we're blameless. It doesn't mean perfect, but it does mean that when we sin, we recognize it, we have godly sorrow, and we do something about it. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 15 and 16 on the screen behind me, notice what it says. So that, you will, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and per perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. Do, does this verse sound familiar? Do we live amongst a wicked and perverse and crooked generation? Are not most of our politicians wicked and crooked and perverse? Yes. Brothers and sisters, and I'm not just talking about one side. Many of the sides, many of the politicians do not have your best in mind. They don't necessarily have this country's best in mind. But I know that that same verse could be said in Solomon's day. It could be said in uh, David's day. It could be said in Noah's day. It could be said in our day. You see, brethren, both uh, uh, every dispensation, whether it's the patriarchal, the mosaic, or the Christian dispensation, the world is known as a crooked and perverse generation, among whom we, God's followers, God's representative, need to appear as lights, holding fast to the word of life, it says in verse 16, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. Remember, brethren, blameless is not perfection. We need to make sure that we're crystal clear on that. It is someone who is striving to live faithfully unto God, knowing that they're going to sometimes stub their toe of sin. Sometimes they're going to have a moment of weakness. And that's okay if you know who your Jesus is. That's okay as long as you display godly sorrow. That's okay as long as you repent of that sin and do your best to not keep committing the same sin over and over and over. You see, because the Bible calls that practicing sin. It calls it willfully sinning. And people who are representatives of God must never be known as people who practice or willfully sin. And so, brothers and sisters, I think of this illustration. And this illustration I found to go along with this sermon is talking about an older man uh, goes to a younger man. I'm sorry, a younger man goes to an older man. And while he's having a conversation, he says, hey, I'd really like your advice on some things. And the, the, older man says, the younger man says, I have two questions uh, for you. And so the older man asked the younger man. He said, he goes, uh, he goes, suppose I could guarantee that nobody would be harmed physically and that nobody would find out. If those are the parameters, would you lie for $1,000? And the kid thought about it. And he said, after some thought, he goes, yeah, I think I'd lie for $1,000. If nobody would be harmed physically, and nobody would find out. He goes, well, then would you lie for a dime? Would you lie for 10 cents? And then the young man starts to become agitated. He goes, well, what kind of man do you think I am? He says, well, I already know what kind of man you are. I'm just trying to establish your price now. <laughs> you see, when you consider the idea of character, brethren, if somebody was to offer you a million dollars, I think there was a movie years ago with Demi Moore and the Indecent Proposal, or I think it was called or something, and if somebody was going to give you a million dollars to have a relations with your wife, would you allow it? 
You see, there are lots of proposals in life. There are lots of peer pressures. There's lots of temptations. Every day, we have, to, uh, we have these different situations that arise that we have to make a choice. And it's those choices that determine our character and determine the depth of our character over a lifetime. As I said earlier, when I stand before God in judgment, I will stand before God in judgment based upon my character. And he will judge me based on my character. Brethren, one man's uh, measure of a, personal, uh, of a person's integrity is what a man would do if he knew nobody would find out. Let me say that again. One measure of a person's integrity is what a man would do if he knew that nobody would find out. And that's something that we all have to consider. Now let's look at the dependability. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 10, the scriptures tell us, These men must also first be tested. Let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. When we think of the idea of dependability, was did God know that he could depend on Daniel? Did God know that no matter what the decree was, that his faithful and righteous servant Daniel would still prostrate himself three times a day and pray unto God? You see, he knew that. In like manner, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10, as it's talking, it goes from elders to deacons, it says these men must also first be tested. Why was it saying that they needed to be tested? To see if they were dependable. To see if they had a sense of duty. To be dependable is one who feels a sense of duty. So as Christians, we are to be dependable unto God because we feel a sense of duty that we have unto God knowing that his love is unconditional, knowing what his son has done for us. And so Daniel had a sense of duty to pray to God daily. And he continued doing so even though he knew the danger that it involved over those next 30 days. He put his faith and trust in God. Brothers and sisters, this is the kind of person who can be counted on through thick and thin. This is the type of person that if you give them a job, they're going to do it to the best of their ability. This is the reason why 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10 said, Let them be tested, because it will show their character. Let them be tested before they are chosen to be deacons for the congregation to see how they will respond to being tested. To see if they will show to be men of integrity, men of dependability, the men who are blameless before God. And that is why we find these instructions in Scripture. A person's strong character is founded on morality as God defines, not society. Why is it that we often now all of a sudden want to determine a person's moral righteousness or dependability based on God's standards no, or based on uh, world standards and no longer God's standards? Have you noticed, that's why, you know, in that commercial that I mentioned, I think it was a Bible study this morning, uh, when Billy Graham Jr. said in that commercial, what used to be right is now wrong, and what used to be wrong is now right. Well, why did he make that comment? Because he knows that we used to follow God, and now we set aside the, the laws of God, the commands of God, the moral aptitude of God, and now we try to follow our own hearts, our own ways, and we try to ask ourselves, what does my gut tell me? Well, the Bible says he who trusts in his gut, he who trusts in his heart is a fool. I mean, that's literally what it says. That's not even paraphrasing. And so, brethren, you look at the scriptures here. Moral purity stems from the choices we make in the face of temptation. You guys remember the story of Joseph, don't you? Potiphar's wife probably was a good-looking woman, being that he was, a, uh, he was an official. And guess what? She kept wanting to have relations with him. 
And he says, how? He goes, he says, far be it for me to commit this sin, not against Potiphar, to commit, to commit this sin against God. He says, far be it for me to sleep with another man's wife. Moral purity. Moral purity stems from making godly decisions and sticking with them, even no matter what the consequences are. He knew he could sleep with her, void prison. He doesn't sleep with her. She says he rapes her, and now he's in prison. Right? Think about Joseph. You think about so many other examples that could be given. Think about the, only, the, the, the examples that could be given in our own very walks in life, right? Brethren, strong character comes from develop, developing the traits that God gives us to follow in his holy word. God gives us directions. He gives us goals and morals and traits that we are to, uh, that we are to, uh, to, to put into effect in our very lives. And it's not something like the fruit of the Spirit. You may work your whole life and never achieve all the fruits of the Spirit, but you should be striving to, achieve, to attain the fruit of the Spirit. You should be working daily to make sure you're adding to your faith, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You should be dealing and you should be working in such a manner and living in such a manner that you strive to acquire all of them. Maybe you won't get all of them, but you should be striving for it. Brethren, character building is like building a, is like a man building a brick wall. Character building is like a man building a brick wall. You lay one brick at a time. And eventually, if you do it right, the strength of that wall will hold up against the, against the winds or the peer pressure and the temptations of life. And you think about that little simple example, brethren, and it makes me think before I close this lesson down, this next passage. And when you go to Hebrews in chapter uh, 3 and verse 14, it says, But solid food is for the mature, but who, but because of a practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You look at that simple verse there in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14 about moral purity. Notice at the end of the verse it says, We are to discern good and evil. Well, how can you discern good and evil? It's something that you have to be uh, looking to do on a regular basis. You fill your heart and your mind with the word of God, which is now going to allow you to be able to make, the, uh, to be able to discern what is right and wrong, what is good and holy and righteous versus what is sinful, evil, and, and worldly. Brethren, we need to make sure that our character, our moral foundation uh, stems from the very word of God. And as I think about the last passage of Scripture that we're going to get into here, and that's in Acts chapter 5 and verse 27 and through 29. And it tells us, When they had brought them, talking about the apostles, they stood them before the councils. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and intend to bring this man, talking about Christ, this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Why is that such an important verse? Because as we're thinking about godly character, the only thing that we will take with us when we depart this life is character. And we will stand before God in judgment, as I said twice already, and we will be judged based on our character in this life, whether it is good or whether it is evil. So ask yourself before you leave here today, if you're building, uh, 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 is, your, is the character that you're building, is it building based on righteousness? Is it built on uh, moral purity? Is it built on blamelessness? Is it built on dependability? Is it built on integrity? Or is your character founded in worldliness? You see, brethren, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says you will stand before God in judgment. Amen. 
and you will give an account of your life, whether it's good or whether it's evil. And it's up to you. You see, we're all agents of free will. You get to determine your character. You get to determine the choices you make that will eventually equate to your character. So what will you choose? You've heard me say it before that there's only two teams, heaven and hell. There's no plan B. There's no third team. Who are you going to choose? Are you going to walk with God even when it's difficult? And it will be difficult. Or are you going to walk with the world where it'll be much easier, but you'll lose your soul forever? Which choice will you make? If you haven't made that choice yet, and you're not a child of God because you haven't went into the baptistry, you haven't had your sins washed away, and so you haven't received remission of sins, you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you haven't been added to the kingdom, you can attend services as often as you like until you're baptized into Christ, you're still not a member of the Lord's church. It doesn't matter if you never miss a Sunday for your entirety of your life, you're still outside of the kingdom. Because only God can add you to the kingdom. And baptism is a work. It is. But it's a work of God unto salvation. You see, brethren, biblical faith, as I often say, is belief, trust, and obedience, all working in harmony together. And God desires for you to be saved. He is patient, not desiring for any of us to perish, but all for, for all of us to come to everlasting life. So if you have not given your life over to Christ, you have an opportunity right now to come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.